Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe and hit the bell icon. I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Pavan Dugal. Pavan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Fritz. It's wonderful to be with you on your show. Allow me to introduce Pavan. He is an Indian advocate specialized in the field of cyber law and e-commerce law. He's an advocate at the Supreme Court of India, and he's been recognized as one of the top four cyber lawyers around the world. He's the president of Cyber Law Asia, heads the International Conference on Cyber Law, Cybercrime and Cybersecurity, and chairs the Institute, International Commission on Cybersecurity Law. Hey, Pavan, uh, welcome to the program. We're going to talk about the law. We're going to talk about the cyber. But first, let me ask you, how did you decide to become a lawyer? Where did your journey start? Well, uh, the journey started uh, way back in my um, childhood. My father was a lawyer. So I was tremendously impressed by him. And I thought law is going to be a good profession. Further, I was very much involved in extracurricular activities like debating and declamations in the schools and college. And because of my speaking skills, I thought this could be a good uh, particular kind of a profession. So I decided to go into this. And uh, as I was already topping in my uh, courses in my schools and colleges, I thought uh, one could try to mix the academic uh, kind of progress along with uh, the verbal skills so as to conjoin them in this profession, and that's uh, what really landed me in this uh, profession. Okay, so you started off as a, a normal lawyer? I started up as a normal lawyer. In fact, uh, I began my practice in the year 1988. Now, that was a time when uh, the internet had not yet arrived in countries like India, and uh, that was a time where countries like India were extremely restricted in the sense there was only one national broadcaster, uh, the economy had not yet opened up. And uh, once you became a lawyer, you only had a choice to become a litigating lawyer or you could become an in-house counsel. So I uh, became a normal civil and corporate lawyer in 1988, joined the district courts in New Delhi and then started uh, going up and then started appearing in the, the Delhi High Court and then the Supreme Court. But I was still a normal lawyer. I was doing civil and corporate kind of work. It was only in the early 90s that I started getting some work pertaining to software from software company clients. And that's what triggered off my interest in technology. Uh, though I'm a humanities student, I have been uh, focusing on uh, arts all throughout, but I was fascinated by technology and its usage. And that's, uh, my, that's the triggering point of my interest in uh, technology. And way back in 1995, when the internet finally arrived in India, I was one of the early people who had joined on to the internet. And I was actually amazed at the mind-boggling impact of the internet. And after a couple of months of madness, when you were actually overwhelmed by the media, I began to start asking myself, could there be some legal or policy ramifications pertaining to the internet? Mm -hmm. And I quickly realized that the internet, if it grows bigger in the coming times, it could potentially be going ahead and uh, coming up with its own uh, distinctive impact upon uh, uh, the, the world at large. And that's why I decided to start focusing on specifically 
the internet and cyberspace. And that's where my journey in cyber actually evolved. Okay. Now, the internet, when it started uh, uh, in, in the 90s, is completely different than what it is today as a dominating part of a society. Uh, what were the issues uh, you were dealing with at that time? Which So can you give, make your observations a little bit more concrete? What, what were the first uh, activities as a lawyer you wanted to spend your time on? Well, during the early days of the internet, the focusing was more on some basic issues. Those, those were the days where we saw a lot of work on uh, uh, domain names happening. Mm -hmm. So we uh, saw a lot of domain name disputes advised a number of clients on domain name issues uh, and including litigating for them in the courts of law. Also, those were the days where bandwidth was very, very low. So uh, there were a lot of cyber crimes, early cyber crimes that had evolved, including very unique crimes of people stealing mm -hmm. internet uh, hours as what we would call them at that point of time. So started advising companies and users on these small, small issues. And then a lot of companies increasingly were coming on to the electronic commerce bandwagon. So started advising them on the terms and conditions, on the legal strategies that they need to adopt uh, for becoming a successful e-commerce entity, apart from trying to protect their legal interests. And those were the times where uh, the cyber legal framework was not very much developed in India. So I started working and interacting with international organizations, including UNESCO, including uh, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers that came across in the year 1998. In fact, I was associated with ICANN uh, right from its institution, and I was member of its uh, membership advisory committee and membership implementation task force. So when I was doing a lot of work outside, uh, one also saw interest of companies who were wanting to come in India as and be part of the e-commerce bandwagon was associated with them. And then uh, India decided to come up with its own uh, cyber legal framework. So it was associated with the then Department of Electronics uh, in the formulation of the Information Technology Bill. I was also associated with various parliamentarians who um, I had advised for the purposes of their debates uh, on the Indian cyber law, which ultimately got passed out in the year 2000. Once that got passed out in India, that opened up a new chain of work because that law impacted almost anybody who was using computer systems, computer networks, as also data or information in the electronic form. That's where modern work, more and more work started trickling in uh, for me uh, in my legal practice. And then we were only focusing on cyber law. And then clients started coming up and saying, look, I have this cyber crime problem. Could you help me in doing that? So started uh, doing large number of cyber crime problems. I was the counsel for the complainant in India's first cybercrime conviction way back in the year 2003 and uh, was extensively advising the government, the corporate sectors, the individuals, the not-for-profit and international organizations. And then uh, cybersecurity started getting very important. So started uh, focusing on the legal and policy issues pertaining to cybersecurity. So it's been a very interesting journey as and when new technologies have come in, one has tried to diversify on the legal and policy ramifications of these new technologies, whether they were Internet of Things, uh, whether they were blockchains, whether that's artificial intelligence, and whether that's now metaverse. I've recently written a book called The Metaverse Law, which okay. is talking about the legal and policy issues pertaining to this new version of the Internet 
that's waiting for us called the metaverse, where we will intrinsically be seeing a combination of not just augmented reality, virtual reality, but also internet in its current form to find a new addictive kind of a platform where we would be spending a lot of time. But that also is beginning to throw up new challenges. So trying to get, keep ourselves updated as to how technology is moving and being a student of law, only focusing on the legal policy and regulatory issues pertaining to these technologies as time is passing by. But Pavan, how do you keep up? Because I'm hearing you saying, I actually, uh, uh, I grew up together with the internet. Uh, the, the, the way internet came to uh, India, you grew up with that internet. But if you look at how big and complex and how fast technology is at the moment, how do you keep up? Um, how do you educate yourself? How do you keep up to date with technology and its uh, capacities? Well, that's one of the biggest challenge for any person who's extensively using the internet. So uh, I very quickly decided that, look, uh, internet is always going to challenge you. And every morning when I get up, I get up with a sense of discomfort and unease. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the last eight hours when I was sleeping, there were so many things happening across the world on the internet. And it's a big challenge to be constantly updated. So I decided to have two kinds of approaches. One, to internalize my thought processes. And number two, to be sensitized about new developments. So for that, I started writing once, one hour, everything in the morning, first thing in the morning. So that was a great opportunity because that told me that that was the best time in your day where you could collate your thoughts and I would write down. And that's the reason when you have actually written for the last 25 years, you'll end up having authored 155 odd books on various issues on the intersection of law and technology. And after your one hour of writing, I also decided that, you know, you must put your first one or two hours of the day only for browsing, only for trying to update yourself of what's happening. So that before you begin your normal day, you at least have a reasonable sense of an idea or impression as to what exactly is happening on the internet. Of course, we use various tools to keep ourselves updated, but please understand it's almost a humongously distinctive new challenge because now with the way information is exploding, the kind of information that humanity had generated uh, from the beginning of human civilization till early 2000s is the volume of information that the world generates on every two days. So in this kind of an ecosystem, uh, constantly updating yourself could be a challenge, but if you start focusing on limited aspects, then I think you could do much better rather than you, you can get potentially lost into this huge ocean of information that gets surrounded you and where you could potentially get defocused. That's quite a regime you put on yourself each day, write your thoughts, brand the internet. Um, so uh, I'd say well done. Um, but how do you, when you browse the internet, uh, knowing a little bit how it works, how do you avoid echo chambers? How to make certain that you always have uh, um, insight in all aspects of topics and issues? Well, uh, very beginning, I realized that I was a lawyer. So it will be best that one should focus on one's core competence. Mm -hmm. So I, my focus is primarily on the legal policy and regulatory issues of whatever I look at. Um, I do not decide to update myself as to what's the new trends on social media or who's saying what, because that does not really bother much vis-a-vis -vis my work. So I focus on certain key areas, for example, 
Today, I'm focusing on cyber law, cyber crime, cyber security law, artificial intelligence law, blockchain law, Internet of Things law. Now, each particular subject is a distinctive, diverse, vertical in its own self. So mm -hmm. you land up updating yourself with what's happening, what are the new trends. So when I'm talking with you, less than 48 hours back, uh, Gartner has now come up with the new kind of predictions for the world, which could have ramifications from the legal angle. For mm -hmm. example, they're predicting that 60% of the world could potentially be seeing privacy-related legislations by 2023 end. So in a scenario like this, these kind of studies help you understand how the, the evolution of the landscape is happening. Further, you have tools like Twitter and other tools which can update you what you specifically are focused on. Uh, you cannot be a master of all, but you can be focused on certain key areas and do relatively better than others. So my focus all throughout is on the legal and the policy issues. And I try to look at how my peers are doing in different parts of the world. What are they writing? What are the new articles, new thought processes that I've come across? What are the new controversies that countries are facing? What are the new issues and challenges that courts are dealing with? Because uh, cyber legal jurisprudence is a very evolving jurisprudence. Today, we are talking about October 2021. Mm -hmm. Assuming that we were to write a book on cyber law uh, by 2030, and that book was to be of 100 pages, then in October 2021, we are only on the fourth or the fifth page of the book. That's just to give you an idea of how rapidly cyber legal jurisprudence is evolving and why there'll be a need for uh, you to be constantly updated. And as you know, you have precedents evolving in a particular jurisdiction, those precedents become of tremendous relevance uh, in terms of being customized and localized as per the peculiar requirements of uh, particular countries. To give an example, uh, we have now seen the state of Illinois in the United States of America, having already now implemented an artificial intelligence law known as uh, the video conference artificial intelligence law, which came into effect from 1st of January, 2020. Now that was the world's first law on artificial intelligence, but that's now triggered off various new developments. European Union has now come up with a draft artificial intelligence law. Different countries are now trying to toy up with new approaches on how they can uh, fine tune their respective national legal approaches and national strategies and policies on artificial intelligence. So these browsings help you to be up to date. Further, you have a lot of these reminder tools which can remind you about broad trends as and when they evolve on a real time basis. But I can tell you, internet can be overwhelming. And very quickly you start realizing that you cannot be up to date with everything that's happening. So you have to be learned to be content. I'm from India, so I'm in the, in, in the traditional Hindu philosophy. We are always told that we must be content with what we can get, with what we can achieve, and what we can contribute. And I think if that philosophy can be applied to the internet, it works wonderfully well. You realize the internet is a constantly growing ocean of information, and that at no point of time in your entire existence, you will be completely abreast with what's the entire contents of the information. There will always be new creatures, new mermaids that are floating in this new ocean that you will not be aware of. And therefore you realize the intrinsic limitation of your ability to go ahead and grasp as much information and then be content on the specific area of your respective research. I think that's sound advice because indeed it's just way too big and you're going to be lost. You're going to drown if you want to absorb it all. Now, I want to 
um, discuss a little bit your latest book. You've written a number of books over the years, but your latest book is The New Cyber World Order Post-COVID. Uh, what was the, need, the trigger, the need to write that book, and what is it about? Well, when in, uh, this COVID-19 came across as a pandemic, the world was not prepared. We, we went into national lockdowns. For example, in India, we just had an advanced warning of four hours mm -hmm. before the country was uh, locked down in one of the stringent lockdowns of the, across the world. So in this pandemic times, we realized that there were two new companions for us in our daily life. One was fear and the other one was panic. And uh, given this new nature of this pandemic, which we don't know much about even now, it was very, very uncertain as to how the world is going to evolve. So I very quickly started realizing that let's start seeing the impact of COVID-19, not just as a public health emergency, but also as a pandemic and as a cyber pandemic. And I started realizing and analyzing that COVID-19 is having a very significant impact upon cyberspace. So I, I started thinking about, okay, if this impact is coming, what could come up future? What, how could it impact the future? And uh, when I started analyzing the various cyber legal developments in different countries and their laws, I quickly started seeing a new trend. I started joining the dots and I realized that, look, by the time the world is victorious against the current and subsequent wave of COVID-19 infections, we will enter into a new cyber age where a new cyber world order would be awaiting us. And the signals of that new cyber world order are being seen right now as we are undergoing the pandemic. Okay, we can, are you beginning to see, yeah. can you sorry? give some examples? Okay, so during the pandemic, we've seen some new trends which will get crystallized further in the new cyber world order. Uh, during the pandemic times, we've seen different countries coming up with dedicated legislations on COVID-19 to file the public health emergency. So when you analyze these national laws, then these laws actually give you a new message. Apart from fighting the pandemic, these laws have uh, come up with new distinctive frameworks and provisions which are aimed for strengthening the hands of nation states so as to empower them to deal with the pandemic and related challenges. So states are getting very, very powerful and that will be one of the key elements of the new cyber world order which will be awaiting us. Further, we've begun to start seeing that with the coming of pandemic, uh, cybercrime has taken on to a new level altogether. The golden age of cybercrime has begun with the coming of COVID-19. And this golden age of cybercrime will be with us for the next many decades. No wonder the kind of new manifestations, avatars, and new varieties of cybercrime that we are beginning to see during pandemic, we haven't seen earlier. Also, the economic impact of cybercrime is growing with each passing year. In the end year 2020, the world lost more than $6 trillion thanks to cybercrimes and six cybersecurity breaches. By the end of 2021, the world is expected to lose more than $8 trillion as a result of these cybercrimes. So one of the key elements of this new cyber world order will be that cybercrimes will be our lifelong daily companions. Also, cybersecurity breaches will be the new normal. So we will not at all be surprised that uh, data of entities, of individuals gets breached on every passing single day. And with now ransomware becoming the flavor of the times, with every 11 seconds, a company anywhere in the world 
becoming a victim of a ransomware attack, it's very, very essential for us to realize that cybersecurity breaches will be the new normal in the new cyber world order. Also, since states are very becoming very powerful, I've argued in my book that there could be a new propensity on uh, behalf of the nation states to go ahead and interfere in the enjoyment of digital rights and liberties by citizens. And that could be one of the trigger why we could potentially see a new migration of users from the superficial net onto the dark net, because the dark net still is a relatively safe place where you can be completely sure that your privacy is not being intruded upon or infringed by state or non-state actors. So that's the, some of the key elements that I thought are going to be awaiting us. And as new developments are taking place during the pandemic, I'm increasingly getting clear that the internet that we were familiar with prior to COVID-19 is now history. Internet is changing as is COVID-19. And by the time the COVID-19 comes to a close, we have to be mentally prepared for new ground realities in cyberspace. And therefore we need to now come up with new legal and uh, practical pragmatic approaches on how to deal with our uh, cyber legal activities, our cyber approaches and our perspectives using the internet and uh, the cyberspace at large. And I think this particular uh, book of mine is specifically is also underlining the need for us to create far more capacity building amongst our own selves. The time has come that we have to keep on brushing and improving our digital skill sets so that we can be in a much better position so as to deal with these new challenges of the new cyber world order that's awaiting us. Hey, Pavan, um, when you wrote down that book uh, explaining what's happening and uh, sharing your concerns, um, what are the your own guiding principles in writing that down? So what's your personal guideline? Well, my personal guideline is that we have to begun to start realizing that internet as a phenomenon has two essential elements that we must always remember. Number one, internet as a paradigm never sleeps. Number two, internet as a phenomenon never forgets. Once we understand these two basic parameters of the internet, we can appropriately customize our approaches regarding our activities online. Uh, I began to start realizing that it's futile to be completely reliant onto the internet. Most of the people think the internet is their lifeline and their lives. They have to quickly start realizing that internet is a tool. Cyberspace is a mere medium for us to go ahead and reach out to our respective uh, goals and opportunities. Also, I began to start realizing that cybersecurity is now becoming far, far more bigger than what we could ever think of. In fact, the time has come that we will have to start adopting cybersecurity as a way of life. Expecting states to protect our cybersecurity is a wrong mental mindset to get started with. Also, we have to start realizing that uh, internet has transformed all of us from becoming mere just human beings into becoming data entities who are constantly generating data on a 24 by seven basis. We have become global authors, global broadcasters and global transmitters of data. And therefore, we have to be mindful of the digital dust that we are leaving behind in terms of our electronic footprints and traces as we go forward. And in this ecosystem, we have to be very mindful that this very digital dust uh, traces could be misused or used by state or non-state actors to target us. 
we have to realize that it's an uncertain new world that we are venturing in. We have to protect our own selves. We must have a good fire suit because we are entering an ecosystem where there's going to be fire all around. And I have to protect myself from potentially getting burned by the, the rage of fire that's uh, coming up with various opportunities and challenges. And ultimately, you have to have a new mindset. The mindset that we must change each single day because internet is changing each single day. And if we don't appropriately customize our approaches on how we deal with the internet, the chances are that we could very quickly become victims of cyber crimes and cybersecurity breaches. Clearly, if there'll be three constant companions for you going forward, it'll be cyber law, cyber crime, and cybersecurity, because these three elements will continue to dominate your digital existence and your activities in cyberspace and the digital ecosystem in the coming times. So I think somewhere down the line, you need to have a philosophical approach towards the internet. Yes, internet has become very important, but there's life beyond the internet. And therefore, we must adopt due diligence and caution when we do our activities online. Already, I'm beginning to see the great Indian vomiting revolution that's happening. That's happening globally as well. People are vomiting all kinds of information about their professional, social, personal lives onto the internet without even understanding the legal ramifications of the same. I think the time has come where people need to become cautious, need to internalize, and need to use internet with due diligence, care, and caution. Once you start doing that, then to a large extent, you can protect your own digital data, your digital privacy, your digital interests, and also ensure that your digital present and your digital future is going to be in your, on a relatively safe footing. Hey. Pavan, uh, I think you have given us uh, some very great insights and uh, lessons to take on board and uh, really want to uh, make sure that people listen to that. Um, a couple of last questions, if I may. Uh, where do you draw your inspiration from? Who's your guiding? Well, I, draw, I draw my inspiration from nature. I believe nature is constantly evolving. And uh, if you are connected to the nature, then very quickly you start realizing that you are a very, very small speck in the entire ecosystem. And once you realize that you're a small speck who doesn't really matter, you tend to have a more uh, contented approach towards life. I draw my inspiration from nature, from sun, from the sunshine, from the flowers, from the colors of the nature, because I think, you know, we can tend to get so much swept into the internet, but uh, nature constantly is evolving. And in, in, in ex, to the extent that you are complying with the laws of the nature, the nature protects you. But if you go against nature, the nature punishes you. So nature, I believe, has been uh, the single biggest inspiration for me. Because when you see anything in nature, and then you try to relate that to internet, then a lot of clarity appears to me. Further, I'm tremendously inspired by my parents, because they have inculcated in me the various kind of values of industriousness. They've told to me the importance of hard work. And I'm ever so thankful to them because, you know, they have actually given us uh, the values which are propelling us to go and explore new vistas. And of course, I am inspired by my wife, my, my family members who have been greatly supportive. You know, when you are uh, on a work that I can, I'm doing, then it involves so much of work that very quickly you begin to start realizing that your family may be complaining. But if your family is behind you, then that becomes a great source of encouragement, of support, and of strength as a whole. And finally, I think I'm thankful only to God because 
it's god which inspires you uh, to do what uh, you really want to do i'm very very uh, subscribed to the indian uh, hindu philosophy where i believe that everybody is a mere puppet god has got his all script well written down and we are only performing what he wants us to perform and he knows very well how to get the best out of us even though we we not exactly know what his his ultimate plans are so if you are bow down to nature and to god that could be great starting points okay pavan then i have one last question for you um if you have been given a role in life as you said you're a puppet um how do you want the world to remember you well if i were role to play in the life i would want uh, the world just to think about me as a soldier as a student of cyber law who was constantly pushing the envelope as per uh, the evolving jurisprudence i have chosen this area of cyber law knowing fully well that the, the way it's evolving it's going to take another uh, few decades and by the time i'm gone that will still be evolving but uh, if i could be remembered as a student of cyber law who was contributing to the evolving jurisprudence to his books to his writings to his uh, vision and to his uh, appropriate speakings and uh, as a small catalyst which could contribute to evolving of strong legal uh, transparent and accountable uh, frameworks uh, impacting new technologies that could be a very satisfying moment for me okay pavan i want to thank you so much and i can tell you uh, you have played your you're playing your role very well on this global stage you are one of the top cyber lawyers in this world so uh, i'm very thankful that you've been uh, able and willing to share your thoughts and experiences on uh, what's happening and what you're doing about that so thank you very much thank you fritz for giving me this opportunity thank you for very insightful questions and i'm particularly honored honored and privileged that you could uh, uh, invite me and i could share some of my perspectives it's been wonderful please carry on the remarkable work that all of you are doing congratulations thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals you can also follow us on youtube facebook instagram and twitter just search for the brand called you